The battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome back to the Leap Pursuit Podcast. I'm your host, Doug, and tonight I'm joined by almost the same group of incompetence as last episode. First, we have the man who needs no introduction, the human decalculator, we'll call him, Steve. How's everything going, Steve? How's that 600-point army, by the way? I was going to say, I think I figured out a way to squeeze 900 points into a 500-point <laughs> list, so we're, let's get after <laughs> yes, it. Let's do yes, yes. You are bending the rules of mathematics in space and time. Well, awesome. But you know, who needs math when you hail from the educational powerhouse of Florida, from the state where they don't say gay, COVID, or empowerment of the working-class citizen, we have Brett. Brett, how's everything going tonight? <laughs> so maybe you'll hear it in the outro, but we've had a little bit of technical problems tonight getting everybody synced on the podcast at the same time. But that's all right. You know, I think we got everyone together. We're going to flow through uh, a couple topics and then hit on our main topic, the P38 for the night. I did want to talk about Crucible real quick because we're getting closer. Uh, it will be the end of September. We're not going to go through and belabor uh, talking about all the stuff going on, but it'll be the whole podcast team there having a good time in Orlando uh, at the Crucible 10 venue out there. Tournament on Saturday, maybe some Aeronautica Imperialis on Friday. I don't know. Buy me a beer and I'll play some AI. Uh, but we will uh, definitely be out having a lot of fun uh, and have uh, a good tournament and a good uh, set of BRS narrative games. Then there's Siege of Vicksburg, Millennium Con. So that's the end of the tournament year. At that point, Doug takes a flashlight, a sack lunch, and goes off and plots how to ruin your next tournament season. So we will change the tournament rules. Some of them we've talked about. Some of them are to be determined. And we will come out with a new tournament packet for 2023 that will kick off with our big games at Adepticon, Schaumburg, Illinois, 22 to 26 March. Yes, there might be a Blood Red Skies event before that, but that's the first big official one. Uh, and we'll all go out, we'll have margaritas again, and we'll see if Brett wants to sing karaoke. It's not a good idea, Brett. <laughs> I'm in. Do I get to wear a sombrero? You get to wear a sombrero. We'll bring a sombrero just for you. I'll, I'll bring it as a carry-on on the airplane. It, it'll yes, be my it's one. a requirement. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're expecting that. So uh, come to Adepticon. I, I will say this. There's... There's some churn right now because obviously hotels are filling up. People are getting super antsy about which venue are they going to be at? Uh, is the transportation going to be better than last year? Uh, yes, yes, and yes. All of those things are important. The Adepticon team is committed to making a better shuttle run service. Uh, they've committed to getting vendors in the historicals. So I talked to John Russell today. Uh, he has enough people coming. He's going to do a split vendor site so you can uh, spend your money on Warlord Goodness at either one. And most importantly, all the cool kids, we're going to be over at Historicals. Well, until we go play AI over at the main venue and then go back to Historicals. But hang out with cool kids uh, and we will have some fun there. All right. Any other events or anything coming up on y'all's horizon? I know we've got stuff going on in Jacksonville, a lot of other events before the end of the year, but anything else y'all want to cover? 
Northeast people, potentially uh, something up here coming up in the uh, late fall, early winter months. So if you're in the Northeast, we've had some requests for uh, people up here. Uh, just keep your eyes on the ready room. And that'll be at Mythicos in New Jersey, right? Yep. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. The Mythicos team, great to work with. Uh, we'll keep people posted and we'll try to keep the site and uh, everything updated with locations and events. Okay, we're going to skip the rest of the bullshit we normally cover. No one cares about the Intel update. No one cares about the flight line. No one cares about Doug's opinion of what's going on uh, and being released out there. We're going to talk about the P-38. Now, I want to step back because some of our listeners and and some of the Blood Red Skies players that are with us today have not gone through the dark era of the P-38's history, which is really a metaphor for the dark era of all the American aircraft and Blood Red Skies, right, guys? There was a time, remember, when when we had Great Dive as our trait for every American airplane out there, I think, is how it was. Yeah, so so we weren't, uh, we weren't, didn't feel well loved. Uh, but, you know, few fighters that maybe other than like the F6F Hellcat have created such a stir about points, about traits, and in the ready room, and so much hate and discontent thrown back and forth, it was hilarious to me when a couple of weeks ago the P-38 came back up and this discussion of agile fighters, heavy fighters, do we want to quote unquote fix this? So let's take a moment and go reflect on where we started with the original P-38J Lightning card. Now, that was in the U.S. Army Air Force's expansion pack, so you would get the card there. It really wasn't popular. Nobody played it. Uh, it was a standard agile aircraft, so it was multi-engine two with agile uh, had 61 points, uh, and let me read you those really, really amazing traits that they had on there. So, uh, looking at the P-38J, for 61 points, the traits you got were multi-engine, great dive, heavy hitter, and of course, agile. Uh, so, great dive. What do we do with great dive? Do we burn that card? Do we use it to wipe up a spill, coke stain on the uh, on the table? What do you think of great dive as a as a trait for an airplane, guys? Oh, I, I've enjoyed great dive paired with low altitude performance, but you know that's that's situational. I mean, that's probably more of a tournament list. I mean, if you're playing like a historical um, campaign setting, you know, you probably unless you're playing a Russian, you're not going to play that with a you're not going to make that combination with a P-38 probably. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Well, and heavy hitter, well, while heavy hitter is cool, I mean, does that really represent what we think of as the, the P-38? You know, sure, it's a lot of firepower, but heavy hitter is something that we've always reserved for lots of heavy 20 mil cannons, not a single 20 mil and some 50 cals. Uh, we'll come back to what trait fits that one later. Well, let but, me ask this. Yeah, I, talk, yeah. I, I mentioned uh, low altitude performance mm-hmm. paired with Great dive. I like that combination. Would that be relevant in a like a Japanese scenario? Like, a, let's say you're playing historical. I don't. I don't. Rem, I don't have a historical chart in front of me that shows, you know, all the nationality historical um, doctrine cards and stuff and theater right. cards. Right. But would great dive? I mean, would low altitude performance potentially show up or be relevant in a, say, you know, Pacific campaign? Well. It- it probably would, and I would have to go look at airstrike and and see what those uh, what those historical pairings are. Because I always thinking about it as a, as a Russian card, basically for Eastern well, Front. Yeah, especially because a lot of the Russian aircraft have uh, the have low altitude, or sorry, have uh, poor quality and great dive or rapid roll, and that allows them to kind of fit into that low altitude performance uh, kind of mindset. 
Now, I've, I've often made that pairing with 109Gs in a tournament setting, but, you know, that's an entirely different list building kind of dynamic. Well, yeah, it, it is. And I think part of it becomes this this argument of historical uh, perceptions of how the aircraft plays. And, and we'll talk about that with some of the traits here in a second, because some of the traits that we pick are the traits we're stuck with, not necessarily the best representation of what the airplane does. So, you know, I think there's there's a case that if you say, where was the P-38 at its best advantage? I'm not sure it was at its best advantage at low altitude either. You know, just looking at it historically, it, it that wasn't where it was designed to be. So I just I recently it? saw a, a really interesting performance graph where it was overlay of uh, uh, I think it might have been speed numbers at out you know at, on altitude. So I, you know, I, great radio here, right? Drawing a graph with my fingers, but um, the <laughs> That's standout really helping everybody was, in the audience out. Nice work. Yeah, yeah. The the P thirty eight obviously stood out from its contemporaries in a higher altitude range. So, right. So that's where it's, it's kind of funny to me, especially as you look at the, the changes to the engines that made it even more of a high altitude powerhouse. The last place I would think about, you know, giving, giving it some bonuses is in the low altitude regime. Uh, that just wouldn't be the, it wouldn't have the feel of what its historical advantage was. Well, that's, now, that's kind of what we get stuck with with American aircraft. By well, large, yeah, right? it is. <laughs> and so this is, this is one of the points and I know Ken's tired of it. Andy's tired of it. Roger's probably even growing tired of it as well as we complain. Um, but there certainly is a feel at the, you know, in the 2020, 2021 timeframe that, Hey guys, you've stuck the Americans with some of these crappy traits that just don't really fit. Uh, with the doctrines and the things that we want to want to play, so so you know why, uh, you know what what gives? Because uh, like when you look at the historical doctrine cards, so uh, early war they definitely don't have uh, for the American side don't have low altitude performance, and looking again they don't have low altitude performance in the late war. They have sustained dive, so that was something you can use with that great dive card you've been given. And they have that in both time periods. Um, but they, they have high altitude performance. And uh, then how many great climb aircraft did we have? One. I think the P-51, I think that was the only one. Uh, so not not super helpful there. But let's let's talk about what happened when the beta list came out. Because everybody was unhappy with the first P-38J, which, which is fine. Then that P-38 card obviously becomes the quote-unquote official stat line. Um, there's a recognition that points should have been rolled back to 51 for, or 59 instead of 61. Okay, give me two points. Still doesn't doesn't help me a whole lot. Um, and that was fixed in the January 22 errata finally. It was in the master list, but did not become official sanctioned warlord stamped until January of 22. Um, but then the next variant that comes out is P-3080. So it's also a speed eight, 395 miles an hour, agility two, firepower two, multi-engine two, great climb, heavy hitter, but with rough ride and agile at 54 points. So still using the agile rules a little bit, but now we have an aircraft for great climb uh, and heavy hitter. Then they, they chop the numbers a little bit, cut it back to agility one, back to 47 points uh, back in 2021. So it makes it a more playable aircraft, even if it has a little bit less agility, but it really doesn't get a whole lot of love. Uh, cause then the L model gets put in speed eight, four fourteen, So obviously a lot faster. Part of that is, is representing the fact that by the L model, a lot of the restrictions are being taken off because aircraft are getting modified. Agility two, firepower two, multi-engine two, great dive. Fuck. There we are again. Heavy hitter, agile, 
uh, 59 points. So now we have two cards, the official and the L card, no one's going to play. And the E card that's a little bit different, but kind of gets hamstrung a little bit by Rough Ride. Now, I know all of us tried to give the P38 a little bit uh, of a play when the heavy fighter rule came out. Because the heavy fighter rule basically said, look, ditch all the other stuff about multi-engines, treat it as single-engine fighter, except now you get two boom chits. Um, but what was what were some of the problems? Because I know, Steve, you played P-38s. We talked about it a little bit with, with those aircraft still being multi-engine and still being that expensive. Yeah, it's just the expense, right? Uh, I would say when you were talking about the traits, I feel like the Great Climb is probably a good trait for the P-38, right? So like that, I think, is right. But when you're, you talk specifically just about the points and you really get into that like math hammer, right? You right. cannot, I mean, well, we're going to find out a crucible, right? But <laughs> like really, I don't know how you compete with every other person basically well, trying uh, to put six planes on the board. Yeah. And I think the question becomes, what is a boom chit worth? Uh, because the reality is in Andy and their points creation, that multi-engine two was worth 20 points. Being a, an agile multi-engine fighter was a 20-point uh, increase. So we took away a big chunk of that. We took away 10 points, but we're like, man, that, that second boom shit's kind of worth a lot there. Um, is it worth 10? I don't know. I, I don't think it's as cheap as five, so I don't think 15 was the right answer. So maybe 12.5, who knows? But but it probably isn't 10 either. But we'll see how that plays uh, with heavy fighters. So what I would say, just thinking of the way that the tournaments we have played in have worked out, right? Uh, if you Is that the 600-point tournaments or the 500-point <laughs> tournaments? <laughs> Sorry. The standard regular I'm going to get as much as I can get out of that joke. Uh, it's a draw if neither of you booms out, regardless of what the boom shits are, right? So getting that extra boom shit, if you could get to five P-38s and basically then you're requiring like 11, you know, boom shits with that double engine rule, it's really making me think you're you're not going to lose any games. In right. You're, you're going to you're gonna best draw case, you're going you're to draw it and you'll be right. able to draw and you you probably you may not do the most number of boom shits damage, but they're not going to get to the 30 point win yeah. either. I mean, you're so. going to. It, I, it would take a really crazy thing. I mean, the most boom shits I ever got was the one game I played against Dan, and I racked up like nine boom shits. Right. And I couldn't imagine my rolls going any better and my planes being in the perfect position. So the idea that somebody's going to rack up like 11 or 12 boom shits, right. uh, in that respect, I think it can help in a tournament. But when you subtract that plane how many boom shits are you really going to be able to inflict, especially when the stats are really only that, that two firepower. You yeah. Know, it's it, a two, two, eight. It's not any yeah. wonder airplane. There's a lot of other two, two, eight airplanes out there for about 20 points cheaper. <laughs> so the, even when you look at something like the Corsair, uh, and, and getting to the faster Corsairs, then you've got a lot of that capability and it's, and you're not, you're not missing that extra. You don't feel like you're missing that extra boom shit, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So for the cost, I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see how it goes at crucible. We may reevaluate that next year. Um, and there may be some more semi official, uh, layout of, of what we're going to do, but that, that I think encompasses why we never saw P 38s until this year. Um, now heavy fighter, there's, there's always a lot of discussion about that. Uh, and, and a lot of people forget, really, it is just making them a two boom chit single engine airplane. Otherwise, they look they work the exact same. So keep that in mind, because that's kind of how we like to see 
these agile aircraft. All right, so let's talk a little bit about the next iteration from for September 2022, because we basically went for a year and nobody effed with the P-38. Nobody really flew the P-38. A couple other people flew multi-engines. But all of a sudden, we decided to start picking things apart. Now, we didn't really go through the traits of the two new uh, P-38 variants that were added. And I don't want to, because all of that got upended uh, on 4 September with a series of new traits. So the P-38... Uh, then became a Speed 8, 393, Agility 1, Firepower 2, but now Buzzsaw, Deep Pockets, and Rough Ride for, drumroll please, 25 points. So definitely right back in the sweet spot of a single-engine airplane, playing it as a heavy fighter. Uh, let's talk a little bit about those traits. So Buzzsaw. Buzzsaw sort of makes sense instead of heavy hitter because the real firepower of the uh, of the p38 was all those 50 cals 20 mil was nice but the real firepower was in those 50 cals so bus on heavy hitter slightly different traits um i i think that's a decent improvement deep pocket it's obviously meant to represent that super long range fighter the ability to limp home if you got an engine you're not engine out you're not not too worried about it but rough ride rough ride was there previously on the p38 e um, why is Rough Ride there, guys? What's what's the thought about that? What's the the aerodynamics and history behind it? Was that the? Is there like a compression problem, or was yeah. it a? Yeah. Okay. There's a compressibility problem with the flight controls. So, as you would get to fast speeds, you would get problems of either aileron reversal, or you'd get uh, f- control lockout, where you didn't have the the physical strength. You'd have to use the trim tab to be able to break out of that compressibility zone. Uh, the, the problem with that is rough ride penalizes you in two situations. Rough ride says when you burn advantage, then you have to take a maneuver test to shoot. So you're not just penalized when you dive, you're penalized when you burn advantage to maneuver. So I'm going to start the discussion now with, I don't think rough ride is the correct representation of the P-38's compressibility issues. Um, Ironically, there's a card called Compressibility Issues, and it doesn't represent it either because it's like a doctrine card you play against your enemies. So I don't know what the purpose of that card is. But So the, this came up at our happy hour on Friday with that Compressibility Issue. And to me, the issue I have with it is Rough Ride, like I believe it's on one of the MiGs, right? Yeah, it's on the MiG-15. Okay, the MiG-15, if you were a pilot new to the squadron or you were an expert pilot that plane was a rough ride right yeah, it, it it literally had had points in its flight envelope that it was difficult to control was dangerous and both the mig-15 and the 17 ended up having parts of their flight envelope that they tried to make it so you couldn't get there Literally, the 15 would auto-deploy the speed brake at certain air speeds just to keep you from overspeeding it, which gave it part of the rough ride problem because you're coming hauling ass downhill and the airplane goes, no, we're not going to overspeed, and it puts out the speed brake, and now you're shaking your teeth. So to me, where that differs from the situation they're talking about, the P-38, is this was something that was very easily trained and was a non-issue. So to me, it's like, okay, if you want to say it's a rough ride for a skill two pilot... By the time you're a skill three pilot, the rough ride's not an issue in this plane anymore. Yeah. Well, so and, to me, and the, rough the solution ride is was a actually plane issue, pretty straightforward. not a pilot issue, right? Yeah. Uh, like, it, it had airspeeds that were do not exceed airspeeds at yeah. various altitudes. Like, just 
don't go fucking faster than this. And that that kind of was the solution. And so that's why when I think about the maneuvering in burning advantage to maneuver, I don't think about high speed maneuvers there. I think about very slow speed maneuvers and, you know, things like rudder reversals, wing overs, those, those kind of maneuvers. And so as a result, I go, man, penalizing penalizing someone burning advantage to maneuver doesn't do what a P-38 does. So this is going to be a trend. I'm going to bitch about it. And Ken can tell me to shove it squarely up my ass because we don't have a trait that just penalizes you for diving. But if we did, that would be the trait for the P-38. Just penalize the guys when they're in a dive. You know, make make some negative counterpoint to that. Uh, and, and then that would be the P-38. Other than that, I don't have a big bitch. Maneuver test. If you don't pass it, boom shit. Yeah, that's there you the go. Trait. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's kind of a that's kind of a painful one, but you know, gives you would make you think before diving. You know, can I afford to take this boom shit if I fail the move test when I dive to either enter the fight or exit the fight? Which literally would be the decision for those kind of guys. They're like, all right, I need to dive on these dudes, but I can only dive at 350 knots, and that kind of sucks. Could you, you know? lose an advantage state, like like you're saying? Uh, yeah, or that's another one. That, 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 I actually, so we've talked about uh, a or a can't climb like that when you lose, when you fail your maneuver test, you lose an advantage state. And if you're disadvantaged when you did that, or you drove yourself to disadvantage state, like you, you burn advantage to maneuver and dive. Yeah, guess what? You just locked your controls. You just smoked into the ground. You're done. You know, you're, you're that guy. So that sounds more like a compressibility. It does that. Mechanic. That to me, when I think think about the physics of compressibility issues, um, that you're going to be fighting this airplane using the trim tabs, using whatever techniques to not become a smoking hole. And should you fail to do that when you're disadvantaged, you become a smoking hole. Um, so it, that's 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 probably a real a great realism card, not a great not a great game card. <laughs> no, hundred percent in agreement with you though. It the it. The P-38's compressibility issues should not have any effect on the maneuverability Correct. of the aircraft yes. and how it maneuvers in relation to other aircraft, which is what right. maneuverability in Blood Red Skies is. Right, right. Absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about the J. The J stat line is almost the same uh, number-wise, 822409, uh, buzzsaw deep pockets, 38 points. So definitely kind of on the high end there, um, but your agility two, firepower two. So... That's that's a nice ability to defend and to do some damage. And with Buzzsaw, uh, that was kind of what they were looking for to give you those that uh, that auto crit whenever you whenever you got a hit uh, inside of three inches. The L not very different. Bumped the speed up a little bit. Was still Buzzsaw deep pockets, uh, thirty nine points. So you gained a little bit of miles per hour. Still a speed eight airplane. Nothing crazy. Both those obviously. Um, are are kind of throwaway traits when you think about them because deep pockets you're going to burn those cards and then buzzsaw is is not necessarily a, a game winning trait it's just helping your firepower so almost gives me the same problem as we had with with great dive now once I get rid of deep pockets I'm a one trick pony again I have to get within three inches and shoot somebody and that's that's all I can do with that that buzzsaw card and literally buzzsaw does not play with any of the other doctrines so. There's, there's nothing cool you can do uh, at that point. The one thing I will say is the one plus going for me is I at least never claim to be an expert on an aircraft I'm bitching about. So I feel like that's the endearing part about my bitching is at least I'm not claiming to be an expert about the aircraft. Uh, but I mean, I would also say until we play this thing, we really... I mean, it's all conjecture anyway, right? 
So the third iteration, uh, then all this gets upended. Now we've got all of them now being deep pockets, great climb, except for the L, which is deep pockets and rapid roll. Um, what do you think about the new traits? I think Rough Ride's still the wrong one, but great climb. So comparing this to other planes, the third inter- iteration of the P-38, the J and the L coming in at 39 points. The Hellcat and the Corsair both coming in at 39 points, yep. right? Hellcat has rapid roll and robust mm-hmm. at 39 points. L has rapid roll and deep pockets. To me, and I don't know the math on it. I'm sure somebody out there has an Excel spreadsheet that would tell me the math, right? To me, robust is a more valuable trait than deep pockets. Yes. You will, and you will crush points, more more boom chits with robust than you will just the one with deep pockets that you have to Same points, same stats exactly. I mean, why wouldn't you take the Hellcat unless you just have some affinity that you want to fly the P-38, right? Yeah, yeah. I I think deep pockets, I, I really, I don't like that trait. I, I really don't. And it's not just because it takes, you know, boom chits off when I'm shooting people. I just don't think it, it achieves what you want because you turn the aircraft into a single trait airplane all of a sudden by throwing away that trait. Um, there are very few traits that go away permanently, deep pockets being one of them, and that's the problem is that most other two trait airplanes keep theirs. Now you're a single trait airplane. And if you're playing, see, see, here's the problem, open deck versus closed deck. Closed deck, who gives a fuck because they're all coming back. But if you're playing open deck, now you only have half as many of those. And so, sure, you got rid of deep pockets. Now you only have three rapid rolls for six airplanes or whatever. So, I and if you get a plane shot down, do you yeah, need you, to remove a card with that plane so you'd go well, down you, to two you cards? Could, it just, you could never have more cards than planes. You have to have an equitable break, so you have to be at fifty percent. So if you've already burned your deep pockets, you're okay. But at some point, you're going to have to get rid of rapid roll cards. What do we think about Great Climb? How, how useful do we think Great Climb is for the P-38? I think it's a good trait for the P-38. Uh, in my original playing of this game, I saw no use for Great Climb, but that is the one trait that I am fairly excited to play by using the P-38s because I've seen what Brett does with it, with the card combinations, and how that can affect like the way the other player plays. Uh and I think it's really what other card would you use to indicate that it has like this good ability at high altitude. Right. Yeah. I, I think it, it pairs nicely because you do get high altitude performance. There are some other uh, uh, other cards, that I can't remember off the top of my head, that pair with it well. Um, I, I think the, the confusing part for me, though, is that and Deep Pockets. Deep Pockets is so defensive Great climb, I feel like, because the denial one is a little bit offensive. Um, it just just seems like a weird weird way you'd penalize it, uh, or you you stat things out. So let's think here, because Brett, you know, uh, high altitude performance. What does that do? That increases the range of your outmaneuver, right? Uh, I think it I think it increases the uh, the pilot skill for your outmaneuver or something like okay, that. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So I always have to look at those. So. I should know that one off the top of my head, considering I've played it so often. But I was about to say, how do you how do you not know these things uh, intimately? <laughs> you don't know your cards intimately. 
I do think the third iteration is definitely the best iteration of the P of the P thirty eight so far. I do. I, I think I think they are closer to correct on those. I just think that for for the P thirty eight and maybe I'm being too. Um, I'm just being too American, too Merca about it. It's just, it's so frustrating that I have deep pockets, throwaway card, and then now I'm stuck without all these other traits that I would use. Uh, maybe if I played the Japanese more and got used to deep pockets, <laughs> I would be used to those things. All right, Brett's going to make me read Great Climb before he reads Great Climb and, and High Altitude Performance. High Altitude Performance, it's, of course, bonus with Great Climb. It's uh, on an advantage-friendly plane using the outmaneuver pilot action. The pilot gets plus two to their skill for the attempt. All right. Outstanding. So what else could we use with Great Climb? Are there, are there any other cards that pair? I don't think there are. So let's see, like Slash. There's a bunch of pair that great with Great Dive, but dive, not Great yeah, Climb. Exactly. Yeah, because that's, that's the tough part, because like Slashing Attack... Sustain dive. Those are all dive cards. Oh, um, season pilots. I forgot about that one. All right, season pilots is is a, is a great climb card. And that what does that give us? That gives us uh, in reaction to a friendly plane failing a maneuver test, the plane rerolls the dice for the maneuver test. Use oh, that a lot. So that's like your that's, get out of get out of uh, jail Steve free card. card. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Steve. Let me roll sixteen dice card. All right. So I would agree. I think I think they are closer to correct with these. I think what the problem we oh go ahead go ahead well. Vertical separation. I've not used it. I guess that's one of the newer cards. That's a great right. climb bonus card too. Okay. Do you have so the it says, you have the Yeah, it says in reaction to a friendly aircraft being outmaneuvered, the pilot gains plus two to their skill to resist the outmaneuver attempt. So it's kinda like okay. high altitude performance, but in a defensive way. And I've but never used way. it. It's a I have it as an unofficial beta, I guess, from the file section, but it, I guess that came out new. Right. Right. So that's that's a uh that would be a good way to, to if you didn't want to be as offensive as um, as uh, high altitude performance and just uses defensive kind of thing, that would also pair well with like mother hand and some of those other ace traits that that are defensive kind of traits. So I think I think these are good. I think that the tough part for me is um, knowing that I have a card like Great Climb where I'm going to try to hold other people down and keep them from regaining their advantage means I'm going to want to use my advantage, means I'm going to want to burn advantage, which means it's going to be hard for me to shoot because I have Rough Ride and a P-38E better later on. Um, And I think that's just a stumbling block for me and and the way I wanted to see the E perform. But I think all the other ones with Deep Pockets and Firepower 2 and Agility 2 means you're going to be defending, you're going to be out able to outmaneuver better than a lot of the other opponents out there, except for things like zeros that are going to be agility three out there. Um, so I, I think it's a, it's a good, good spot. So I do want to bring something up that I'm surprised I haven't seen addressed yet on the ready room or in blood red sky circles about the multi-engine aircraft. Right. I believe the mosquito when it first came out was deep pockets, correct? And there was a big up in arms. There was, a multi-engine plane can never have deep pockets. Oh, and there were people that stood on that, and we and know exactly their names are. Now, I feel like some of the people that were standing on that have now said, "No, the P thirty eight has to have deep pockets." Yes, in fact, it is the exact same people that are all <laughs> saying that, and it was it was you will never be able to put multi deep pockets on a multi-engine, especially agile airplane. And what I, happened? Well, I think the line of reasoning, 
or also known as an excuse, but I'll call it a line of reasoning, is that by forcing people to use the heavy fighter rules, we are getting rid of the broken agile rules. The horribly broken agile rules are just as broken when it comes to deep pockets as the heavy fighter rules, because you're really, what you're doing is you're giving a third boom chit never to be worried about, a, sorry, a fourth boom chit never to be worried about to this fighter. So, Whereas we discussed, it will take three, minimum three boom chits to knock this fighter down. Now it'll take minimum four for half of your fighters. So in a, in a sense, you're, you're giving them extra, they, they now take twice as many boom chits, twice as many as a single engine fighter being shot down. Not just 50% more, but twice as much. That was the original line of thinking about why no, no deep pockets on a sing, on a multi-engine aircraft, um, because you you functionally are having to do twice as much damage to get it to that same point. So here's here's what my thoughts on that are. I think Deep Pockets is a Band-Aid. I think Deep Pockets is still this bullshit mentality about how you would be leaving the fight in a single-engine aircraft versus a two-engine aircraft. We have created this problem with the P-38 where we should just get rid of Deep Pockets. Just no, don't, do not put Deep Pockets on there. Put two unique traits in there. Give it buzzsaw. Give it great climb for some of them. Give it great dive for the other ones once we fixed the dive breaks problem. You know, uh, do all those kind of things. Give it rapid roll for the for the L. Now you have three very different models of the P-38 that have some limitations, but also have some opportunities. Um, and of course, my pet rock would be create something different than rapid roll. Create a create a card that truly is compressibility issues, not the doctrine card of compressibility issues that penalizes you when you dive. So my thought to that, just on the deep pockets aspect, is I am fine with the P-38 having deep pockets to reflect the second engine and all that stuff, but then play it exactly like a single engine fighter, period. Not right, which, like a well, single engine well, fighter with the caveat that then when it's no, just play it like a single engine fighter, no extra boom chip crap, none of that. And just and the that, same way you'd play a P51. Exactly. Play and and that's and that's where we're at finally. Because the last discussion was play it just like a single engine fighter, but we're going to give it deep pockets. So now we get back to okay. It's, it's not the previous iteration. It's this current iteration where we'll only have two boom chits, best case to get, the, get rid of this airplane. Um, and I think that, I think that solves, solves the problem because you're not using the heavy fighter rules. But let me make sure. Let me, let me go read what it actually says in the ready room um, because I could be, in fact, misquoting this. All right. So let's read the latest and greatest on... The P-38. All right, where is our last one? Here we go. Okay. Unofficial. Not official. Caveat. Players' opinions. Okay. As a single-engine fighter with deep pockets. So by the time we get to the last third iteration, it is a single-engine fighter. So it's just like a 262, but with deep pockets. What do we think on that? Does that solve the problem? I like I like you pay and play 
for the stats that are built in, and it makes it so much more simple to play. And you're going to see these aircraft on the table, whereas at you know 61 points or whatever the points are for your twin engine Algel, you never see them on the table, right? Right, right. Well, that, and that's and that's what gets you in the second and third iterations down to 25 points because we're just not playing all the multi-engine piece. We're just going to play it like a single engine. And those are statted and traded just like a single engine. I think I think that's those. appropriate for a fighter. We talked about this a little bit before. I mean, if the if there's some idea that an air, a fighter, a twin engine fighter, is somehow more resilient in a dogfight situation, I, I don't know. I, I don't agree with that. I think yeah, maybe a twin engine bomber might keep up and you know maintain level flight and try to stick with the bomber stream or at least follow a bomber stream. Yeah, that makes sense. But in a in a fighter, I think it's superfluous to have you know, this, this notion that tw- two engines on it suddenly makes it more, uh, I don't know, resilient in a, in a dogfight. Maybe right. it gives it more legs or the capacity to carry more fuel or ammo or something like that. But we have stats for that, like deep pockets we just talked about. Right. Well, and, and I think that, I think if we separate the discussion of two engines for survivability versus two engines for heavier payload, longer range, all those kind of things, that to me adds up to deep pockets. Because if you look at, and I think the zero is another good reason about deep pockets, the ability to fly a long range dogfight, still go home with a with a much better capability, even though it was vulnerable and didn't have self-sealing fuel tanks, that is the same kind of thing we're seeing in the P-38. It's It's not that it has two engines. It's that because of it having two engines, it can go a longer range, it can carry more guns, it can carry more fuel, so that then when it's ready to leave the fight, it's at a later time than a similarly configured and performing single-engine fighter would be. That would have less range, fewer bullets, less gas, um, less ability to climb efficiently to high altitude and get home, all those kind of things. So I think, I think it's, it's an elegant I, approach because it's a mechanic we already are familiar with. It's and- a mechanic we're familiar with. It doesn't... It, people just have to break the mentality that it's simulating the, the two-engine part. It's simulating all the things you get from being two-engine. And I know that's a weird piece of semantics there, but it's the fact that because you're more efficient at higher altitudes with more gas and bullets and all that other crap. I don't so. think that's a weird piece of semantics at all. I think it's obvious. And well, I think, I think, I think it is, except <laughs> people who've played a bunch of the bunch of the Blood Red Skies multi-engine, they're like, but what about the second well, boom shit? Okay, and this is what I was just going to say. Okay, there's... An, and again, I... Oh, like we joke about this. I am not an authority on these aircraft. I just think airplanes are cool. Okay. But when people are like, when we talk about the P 38 and then somebody chimes in and goes, Oh, well the mosquito or, Oh, well the black widow or, Oh, okay. The P 38 was designed to be a twin engine fighter. Go shoot down other fucking airplanes. Exactly. The mosquito and the P 38, are not comparable. The Mosquito no, was designed as a ground attack aircraft, and they were like, holy shit, this is fast. We can shoot down other airplanes with it, right? They're, they're not comparable. The P-38 is clearly a single, should be played like a single-engine single, single engine fighter, and planes like the Black Widow that were these like anomalies or the Mosquito or the 110, the agile trait kind of applies to them. Yeah, well, and here's the problem. Throughout aviation, there are edge cases. And there are edge cases for a variety of reasons. There's the P-38 as a true fighter that happened to have two engines, not an airplane called a fighter with two engines because it was slightly more performing than the other shitty twin-engine aircraft. I use the F-4 as another example of that. The F-4 is the same kind of airplane that is such an, an edge state 
that there is no Soviet airplane that is the equivalent of the F-4 because it is a brick with fucking two engines. It is not super maneuverable, but it carries eight fucking air-to-air missiles. And oh, by the way, by the time you get to an E, it now has a gun. So guess what? It has gas to stick around. It has missiles to stick around. It has bullets to shoot you with. So it suddenly is this airplane that you have to outmaneuver or run him out of missiles and gas to, to go home successfully again. So it's yet another edge chase. It's not like the MiG-21 where you're like, ha ha, I last five minutes against a MiG-21, he's out of there for gas. Last a minute and a half against a MiG-17, he's burned out. But it's the it's 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 one of those problems that how do you build that into the rules? And I think, I think you're right when you say that the other not very... Uh, not heavy fighter, fi- heavy fighters, those those work either with the agile rule or I think some of them work with the heavy fighter rule because they they truly are larger, heavier airplanes that would sustain more damage, whereas the P-38's not. It's just a very light twin-engine airplane that performs. Yeah, I, I think the way you said it earlier is twin-engine for survivability and utility or twin-engine for performance. And the right. P-38 had a twin-engine built into it because they wanted a plane that could go shoot down other planes faster. Right. And, and it's, it's just, but it's a fighter. It's just a fighter. Yeah. With now, that in mind, would history. you, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say with that in mind, would you suggest then that there are some planes in the master list now that are inappropriately given agile where you would take the I agile, agile off? Maybe? Go away. Agile's broken. Yeah, agile right. doesn't work. Agile needs to be thrown away. I think agile should be replaced with heavy fighter. And and those truly are, quote, heavy fighters. Now, I think there are some other twins that should be brought down to the P-38, not because they're super maneuverable. We can simulate that with agility stats. We can simulate that with speed stats. Um, but I'm convinced that there's a number of them that are light enough airplanes. They should be treated as single engines. I do not think the Mosquito is one of them. Even though the Mosquito is a super high performing airplane, I do not think the Mosquito is one of them. I think a case could be made for the BF-110 being treated like a single-engine fighter. It's not super robust and resilient. It would not get deep pockets. It would probably be a single-trait, single-engine fighter, but it's going to be slow. Um, And it's going to have a rear gunner, so there's going to be some utility to it being different. But it's not not a wonder weapon. Um, I think when you look at some of the Japanese aircraft, same kind of thing. They're going to be single-engine fighters, they probably might be a case for deep pockets because their range, but even then, I think a consideration has to be made to they weren't that they were less agile, but they were very powerful engine airplanes. So, so I think I think it's one of the things we have to look through. We have to look and say what what denotes being a heavy fighter uh, is something like a P sixty one or a Mosquito a heavy fighter? Yes, I think they are. I think they don't get treated like bombers. They should be treated. Definitely very different. But I think Agile is so broken in how it is that, yeah, that we need to get away from that. You mentioned this Japanese aircraft. Maybe that's a case where, you know, you're already paying for the speed. Maybe that's the twin engine, that second engine right. is giving you the extra speed. Well, you pay for that yeah. in the stats, you know, so Absolutely. it kind of takes care of itself. It does. And I don't really care if something is speed eight. I don't care whether it has one engine or two. It's speed eight. And that doesn't, that doesn't really change how it performs when it gets hit, unless you're talking about something that's a bigger wing bomber. If you're talking about something that's still a small fighter, eh, not not that different. Um, I mean, it's, it's the discussion of a of a one ten. You're going to hit the engine on a one ten. It's going to go in just like any other you know twin engine airplane. It's it's not limping home. But I I think it hits to a, a, a 
a key point that we need to talk about, and it's kind of a segue into uh, what we'll talk about in the next couple episodes, is these things are not going to be fixed anytime soon. There is no BRS 2.0 anywhere on the horizon anytime soon. That's that's not going to be there. So these are going to be fixes in the community that people can apply at tournaments if they want. They'll apply in narrative games, but none of this is being backfit into the rules anytime soon. Um, maybe if there's a compendium this fall, maybe it might be in there. Maybe some things could get put into the errata or the FAQ, but it sounds to me like none of this is going to get fixed until BRS 2.0, and that could be years away. What do we think about that? That frustrates you, doesn't it? Frustrates me. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I think an official tournament pack would be good, right? Yeah. Like, okay, this is officially what we are going to do with tournaments. So even if it's not a Blood Red Skies 2.0, it's like, this is what the official tournament year is going to be. And that at least gives you like a one year interval that you can look at something if it works or not. And not commit to BRS 2.0 to, to change a rule. Yeah, that'd be an well, interesting and, and, beta test because between the list building and then the tournament play with these new uh, concepts, you know. Here's the frustration, and and I, I'll put the I in it since I was the guy writing the tournament packet. I didn't want us to become like 40k and 30k, and I'll laugh because 30k is exactly this way. They have a brand new rule system, and they've already changed the rules for Adepticon. They've already basically said certain certain legion traits are broken and will not be used. Uh, and so the whole dreadnought implementation, that, that, uh, right of war, whatever off the table for Adepticon. Uh, so that it's just a sad point. I have to realize that sometimes the community has to fix the rules in a tournament setting or in a competitive setting, um, because it could be a year or two years until the rule is fixed, either in an FAQ or a release of the next rule set. So that's where we are with it. I, I think in my mind, I'm good with saying we'll adopt uh, single engine uh, P38s next year, put it into the packet for you know Adepticon next year, maybe play a few narrative games with it and see how it plays, see if we like it, see if we don't like it. Uh, Steve will have his P38, so we can we can do that. Uh, and then, you know, if we if we think that makes the P38 a lot more fun and, and more usable in a tournament setting, then we'll put that in the packet, that that's how P38s will play. Um, it's going to make things always a little more uh, frustrating for players because they got to make sure they read the right packet, but whatever. You're in the tournament. Read the damn tournament packet. I don't answer questions. I roll the dice of justice, and then the dice decide for you. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been talking and fighting through way too many uh, glitches and other problems. Um, what I would like to say is uh, thanks, guys. I appreciate you taking the time to do the research into this and then to take the time to step back and talk about these things. For everyone uh, listening to the podcast, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Send us your questions. Send us the topics you want us to talk about. Send us your bitches, complaints, and things that we can ignore. We'll send them straight to the round file along with Steve's 600-point list. Guys, anything you want to leave the audience with on in parting? Uh, looking forward to Crucible. It's going to be awesome. Counting down the days. I'm stoked that the interval from Crucible to Adepticon is pretty close. Like I, I might survive till then. It'd be good. <laughs> I don't think I will. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to know what to do without any games. All right. Well, that's all right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, remember to definitely... Give us your opinions, and we will ignore them as we always do. And the next episode, since Casey's not here to give it, we'll have the furry report for Millennium Con. 
then the tournament year is over. So for those of you that make the tournament scene, that's when Doug goes back, grabs a sack lunch and a flashlight, and Brett leaves the podcast again. Uh, <laughs> uh, do I need clown comedy here? Hey, he's back. Good. <laughs> anyway. Oops. I think we might have lost Doug. I think Doug's gone. He had a compressibility issue. <laughs> Compress. He, he didn't. He didn't pass his maneuver he test. Pass the maneuver test. <laughs> and I'm back. That's just. I looked down. I'm like, why is my? Why is the recording grayed out? <laughs> <laughs>